Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. Hi, this is Mimi Sheraton, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Episode 170 of The Morning After. I am your host, Sari Gaiman. And I'm Leslie Stockton. So, Sari, I am really, really eager to hear the food news. We do have some food news. And I also want to say that our guest today is Anna Dunn. She is the editor in chief of Diner Journal. So we'll be back with her in a little bit um, to talk all about that ever beautiful magazine. But yes, first food news. Okay, let's see what we got here. Um, Okay, we were talking a little bit before about you know what it's like if you're in a restaurant and your and your server is not fully clothed. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of such that, such a common problem. Such a too. common problem. <laughs> okay, so actually, there is a restaurant that's going to be opening up in London this summer. It's a pop up restaurant all summer, and the theme is naked. Who's naked? The pe- okay, like everybody. Like the okay. So remember when there was smoking in restaurants? I'm sorry, it's a pop up. Oh, and she's funny. Maybe they should rework that. (laughs) Um, So remember when there was smoking and like you'd go to a restaurant and they'd be like, oh, do you want to sit in the smoking section or non-smoking? I remember when airplanes were smoking and non-smoking. Yes. So So much like that, they're going to be like, hey, do you want to sit in the clothing optional section or the no clothing section? Uh, I have so many questions. So many questions. So the restaurant's (laughs) going to be called Bunyadi. Which I what don't know. does that mean? I don't. It means no. It means naked. It means no in pants. Swahili. It means no pants yeah. dance. Yeah. So they can choose between which kind. And like, I guess the theme is like everything's supposed to be supernatural and like organic and like good for you. And like, so we don't want to have to deal with like the hassle of wearing clothes in this, you know, completely <laughs> natural experience. Wait, is it vegetarian? That I don't Unclear. know. I'm going to ask you so many questions you don't have answers to. Yeah. Okay. So in the in in the au naturel section, are the waiters clothed? They are wearing a little bit of clothing. A just hair, to a cover. Hairnet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, just a little bit. Can um, I say merkin? I think you can say that on air. Yeah, I'm okay with that. So yeah, all right. So maybe they're wearing the Americans. kitchen. The kitchen will be clothed, and then the waiters will just be wearing like a little bit of clothing, fig leaf, possibly something. Soft, something. Yeah, grape grape leaf, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Um, so my question, Anna, what what would you choose? Would you choose clothing or not clothing? I mean, you can't go there and not go. Yeah, for like that. yeah, can, yeah. Like, like, why would you go there? No clothes. Yeah. I mean, I agree. So so here's the the kicker. The sh- and the shocker, the waiting list. <laughs> Another is, one. Uh huh. The waiting list is already twenty seven thousand people. Twenty seven thousand people want to eat naked in mm-hmm. front of other people. In front of other people. Oh wait, food. the customers are naked. Customers. Yeah. Are oh, naked. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. if the waiters were naked, I'd be like, whatever. The waiters, no big oh, deal. waiters are mostly oh, naked, man. but the customers have I'm the option to be there. You know, yeah. Sitting down in a booth is not like your eating best your quinoa. Quinoa. I know. Eating your quinoa, looking like a little kidney bean, just sitting there. <laughs> So, so just so you know, just so you know, I thought this was a helpful tip. The waiting list is twenty seven thousand, and just to give it a little bit of context, the wait list for Noma Australia was twenty seven thousand. Wow! So as many people want to eat naked in London as they did want to eat at 
what is apparently the best restaurant in the world. Okay. Okay, moving on to something a little less savory, I'm sorry to say. Mm. Um, have you guys ever heard of Checkers? It's like a, uh, it's yeah. like a fast food. It's a burger joint. There's like a guy out front with red with a yeah pants exactly with pants <laughs> with pants. So so apparently in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is a place we I just learned I had just read Cleveland, but no, this is Cleveland, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, some so a worker from the McDonald's next door, which happens to be their direct competition, went to Checkers to use the bathroom. I don't know why. Let's not get into that and skip it. <laughs> but I found that there was like a bread tray. Like what do you call those, Anna? Like with with like the stacks. And and hamburger speed rack. rack, yeah, yeah, those <laughs> just full of buns, like chilling in, in the, the bathroom. bathroom. No, yeah, no, 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 a bathroom snack. It's a bathroom like the snack. Eating again. Stop it. Yeah, no. so so that no. didn't go over so well with the like the McDonald's employee. And he like took a picture of it, and then Checkers came back and he's like, "Oh, it was the bread delivery." happened and we don't know we didn't know it was in the bathroom but i think some people are not feeling too good about it i've worked i worked in restaurants for over 10 years i was a line cook i was a host i mean i've seen some stuff i've heard some stuff um i've never ever once heard anything that disgusting Wow, it's a big day. That's that's you. And have, it's our 170th episode. I mean, you just, I just, I can't. Just took the wind out of your sails. <laughs> okay, so if you're in Cleveland, Tennessee, <laughs> don't go to the checkers. Eat at McDonald's, yeah. not checkers. <laughs> if you want some, if you want to be feel secure. I don't about know your about the McDonald's because if their bathroom is so bad, their employees have to use the yeah, one. That's a real conundrum. Oh, that's right. a good point. I'd hit the Burger King. I think he was just spying, just trying to do some spying on the competition. Yeah, I know, but you know, if you make like, nine dollars yeah. an hour, what do you care? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> okay, last but not least, this is a huge story. Um, I'm I'm sure you guys have heard of Lemonade that came out with Beyonce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. missed and, it. Never heard of it. No, I missed it though. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, I can't yeah. find it anywhere. iTunes, oh, I think. Okay, but that's not the story. The story <laughs> is that. <laughs> so apparently, there was some some veiled references to a possible mistress of Jay Z's, and um, Becky with the good hair. Becky with the good hair, and then mm-hmm. a lot of people thought that Becky with the good hair was this this like fashion person named Rachel Roy. Yep. Right. Because um, apparently she tweeted something like, good hair, don't care. And yeah. everyone was like, ooh. But ooh. then some people thought Rachel Roy was Rachel, Rachel Ray, Ray. Ooh. from the Food Network. And then, Daisy like, and Rachel Ray. Ouch. Ah. So, like, all, you know, the Bayhive was like, oh, hell no, Rachel Ray cooking I, I do have to say, Rachel Ray has excellent hair. She does have good she hair. She has really good hair. But it was I have not to Rachel Ray. So, just to clear it up once and for all, Bayhive, like, we love you. Obviously, we're Team Bay all day. I'm not going to get... Back off Rachel Ray, okay? Because she's just like... <laughs> she's just cooking some simple meals for under $10. Back off. <laughs> I'm not going to get over the image of Jay-Z and Rachel Ray I getting know, down. I know. I wish it was true. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't wish it was true because of, obviously, Beyonce. Queen, B, Queen yeah. Bay. Yeah. But that's hilarious. That's and, hilarious. And Rachel Ray, we got your back. And Rachel, we think you have great hair. We do. <laughs> We do. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with Anna Dunn, Diner Journal.
following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. And we're back with Anna Dunn. She is the editor-in-chief of Diner Journal ever since its inception in 2006. And she is also a bartender at Romans. Um, and she is the co-author of The Salty Cookbook. And she is hard at work on her first crime fiction novel. Welcome to the show, Anna. Thanks. Thanks so much for Welcome having me. here. Yeah. We are so excited. Um, we know that there's a new issue of Diner Journal. Is it, is it out? It is out. It just launched this week. It is our 32nd issue. And it is the 10th year of Diner Journal. So it's a lot going years. On. Yeah. Yeah. And then Food Book Fair also is happening. So the Food Book Fair is happening this weekend at the Weiss Hotel. It's the fifth annual Food Book Fair. And um, there's a great magazine fair happening right right now, independent food magazines, and great panels today and tomorrow. So you're going to be there? I I was there this morning, and I'm going back. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, like Diner Journal and how it all happened. Can you kind of sure. like give us the rundown of how it yeah. came to be? So Diner Journal was started by Andrew Tarlow and Caroline Fidanza and Mark Firth um, 10 years ago at Diner and Marlon Sons. They were kind of thinking about how to um, kind of document their process of making the restaurants and kind of get involved in cookbook making, but they didn't really have a lot of time to spare. So they kind of made this kind of smaller zine um, recipe driven black and white or there was like one color and it was black and white and um, magazine and they started to make it and I luckily was working as a barista in the mornings and they knew that I was a writer I was like working at a bookstore and trying to do some poetry writing and reading and stuff so I got to start editing it and then through the throughout the years it's really changed its focus in a lot of ways it for a while, we would go visit farmers and purveyors and write about them and kind of like um, explore like different ideas about how to run the business through the magazine. And then eventually it was more about art and literature. And now um, we are having a cookbook come out. So we're kind of making magazines that are more like books, like one voice, one um, artist coming together to make one magazine. Yeah. So I absolutely love this issue. Oh, I was I, the. The photographs, first of all, are absolutely gorgeous, um, and the writing is almost poetic. I'm sorry, that makes me sound so douchey, but um, <laughs> I appreciate that. It's it's so Poetics. beautiful. I mean, I, I cackled on the subway when I read, "Eggs can be cruel mistresses." People <laughs> looked at me like I was crazy. That is poetic. Yeah. There's, no, there's no better it, way to say it. No, I I just love Millicent's voice. Yeah, Millicent Suarez is just an amazing writer who has worked as a like editor and contributor for the magazine for a long time. And Julia Gillard, the photo editor, took all the photographs. So it was really fun for me to really feature them. And they just put together something really amazing. Yeah. Just, Can you just um, just talk a little bit about like 
who Millicent is and like the theme sure. of this particular issue. Yeah. Millicent is interesting because she is a cook, but she's also a writer and a teacher and an, kind of like a activist. And she works freelance, all sorts of different jobs for different people. And so she's, but she's been writing all the time. So she wrote a book called um, How to Build a Better Pie a couple of years ago. That was really great recipe book. Um, and so, I don't know, I just always, we've been kind of working together on her writing for a long time, and she went to this island to cook for a family for the summer and invited Julia, the photo editor, to come visit her and that they would work on a story together. So um, they came back with this amazing, uh, like, long-form magazine story that I just got to, you know, be delighted at. And then so, how, so how, do you, how do you pick the themes? Like, how did you decide on that? Well, that was really... A fluke and really lucky because at the beginning of this year, we kind of like try to think about it at the beginning of the year. Like, what are these, what three magazines do we want to make? How are they different? What are the focuses like? And so often um, we've featured illustrators and um, we've done ones based around a book. Like, we did one based around Dylan Thomas's A Child's Christmas in Wales for Christmas a couple years ago, um, which was really just about making food. That turned into like this cool conversation between chefs about. Um, how to make different like traditional Welsh kind of dishes and stuff like that. So, and Millicent was involved in that. So this one, you know, they just, they had made it and they said, you know, I think we have the next diner journal. And I was, uh, I felt really lucky because I was at a loss, which happens a lot. I was (laughs) like, um, I'll meditate on what to do now, but nothing's going to come. Yeah. But at this point, do people generally pitch to you or are you kind of like always actively seeking the next so that process has changed a little bit because for years we um, built magazines and themes around pitches. You know, working in the restaurants at Diner and Marlowe, there were so many great writers and artists working in the restaurant, you know, back of the house, front of the house, actually both. So, like, we people were always talking to me about what they wanted to explore, and we would kind of, like, latch on to one, and maybe a couple of them would kind of speak to each other and then we would move forward and since we've started um, working on this cookbook with 10 speed press we've kind of shifted to kind of become the storytellers ourselves so I have like a handful of people who work on the magazine every single time Um, Caroline, Fidanza, Millicent, Soros for sure, Becky Johnson is the designer and Julia Gillard is the um, photo editor and then there's also people behind the scenes um, doing distribution and other great stuff but um so now we really <clears throat> come together as a smaller group and um, kind of create the whole magazine together. But, you know, like, so we're not, I'm not pulling pitches from people. I'm kind of like, uh, kind of trying to coalesce one story. So it looks like a book. It looks more like a book than, say, the past ones have. Um, <clears throat> the one thing that I really appreciate about this is that it does flow like a book. And the whole thing, if you haven't uh, seen this audience, you must run out and get it. It's it's so cohesive and it's so natural and nothing about it seems forced like a lot of magazines you look at, you know. Oh, great. Um, it, it seems like it just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. I feel like that form. a little bit. It'll never happen again <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, I appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, the, the magazine is a story and it's it's one voice. And is that the plan from here on out to kind of keep it like one voice per issue? Well, it's interesting. I've been kind of thinking about it as having like featuring like one, um, like a narrator or like a chorus in like old plays or something, you know, like somebody like like, sometimes I get to be that person. Sometimes I might tap somebody on the shoulder. I've been talking to Annie Novak a lot about maybe doing one. Um, But regardless, we'll have a really focused kind of like 
drive in it. And I like to have the people who do write kind of write to each other, you know, in this way to kind of like create a conversation in the magazine. So I don't actually don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Well, one thing about Diner Journal that's really um, struck me is like how unaffected you guys are by like general restaurant trends and like just the media in general. It Mm -hmm. seems like most food magazines are like really scrambling to be like on top of like, oh, what's the next big thing? What's the next big thing? And you guys have just kind of been doing your thing and are, you know, obviously not oblivious, but not concerned with that mm-hmm. in any way whatsoever. Unaffected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for better or for worse, perhaps. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, there's it's so much work to make this. And, you know, Andrew and I, Andrew, the, the publisher and owner of Diner and Marlin Sons, have been working together on it for so long that it's really about our creative process. And so that has to be, like, the most satisfying part of it. And... You know, I was just talking about how much I love Instagram. It's embarrassing a little bit, but I love to post pictures from it on Instagram, but th- which feels a little bit on trend or something, mm-hmm. you know, like that. But um, but when making the thing, I'm really kind of like thinking about like mm, what references I can pull into this moment of of the magazine or something. And yeah, I don't, you know, I we just it's just because we've been making it kind of like scrambling to make it. I don't have my finger on the pulse of the food media. Yeah, but I think that's what's working for <laughs> thanks, you guys. Thanks. I mean, a lot of food magazines have closed, have come and gone. We had this conversation with Sarah a couple of weeks Sarah ago. Moulton, Sarah yeah. Moulton a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. And, you know, the good ones have have folded. And I'm not saying anything bad about food magazines that are out there right now but it the it's just not what it used to be mm-hmm. there's just not this sense of escape anymore uh-huh. um and a lot of the magazines that are out right now food based are very broy. Uh-huh. that's a it's a very common voice right now um which is fine it seems to be popular uh-huh. um it's uh-huh. just not the voice i respond to uh but i there's a sensitivity to diner journal that i really appreciate thank you that's really nice to hear i like the word um i don't i think i'm not sure which word you you said but i like the idea that you can kind of kind of wander into the magazine and disappear into its story that's what i want so it's like yeah can you speak to how you think you've been able to sustain i mean for 10 years at this point when so many print publications have not sure well you know we are really lucky and that the the restaurants have really been the engine that drives that kind of um uh keeps the magazine stable so um we you know we distribute we sell it's very it's very hard to keep that going because we don't have anybody working on it full time but um so really like people coming into the restaurants and eating there and supporting them has really supported the magazine over time yeah yeah. So uh, clearly the restaurants are integral to the magazine, but would you say the magazine at this point is integral to the, not the restaurant specifically, but like the whole enterprise yeah. of the well, Andrew Tarlow Yeah, know, they community. work together and, you know, mm-hmm. in a certain way, like people who can't make it into the restaurant at, you know, every given night can, if they live somewhere else, they can subscribe to the magazine or they can, you know, kind of investigate us through our online presence and like kind of get a feeling for us and certainly the magazine has really led us into this um great partnership with 10 speed press making this cookbook so so when you're brainstorming a Mm -hmm. magazine uh, an issue of diner journal what is your like what are your favorite sources of inspiration 
maybe even not for the magazine, just your day-to-day job bartending mm-hmm. at Romans, you know, like what really gets your motor running? Well, I, <laughs> that's a good question. Usually Bruce Springsteen, but, um, <laughs> but you know, um, it's hard for me to answer that with the magazine cause it's so, there's so many of them, but I could talk about it with the book a little bit, which, um, it's called dinner at the long table. And the idea about this book was that it, it's really kind of Andrew's story of like making the restaurants and having these this relationship to food and kind of romanticism in a certain way and and finding inspiration in books. We talk a lot about Lulu's Provincial Kitchen or we reference it a lot in the book or other books that we love. Um but also like um so like for the for the book we went and we thought, you know, like we talked to the chefs of each of the restaurants about what kind of dinners they would like to do. We thought about the things that we do every year. Um, dinners for Bea, Bea's birthday or kind of like just, you know, returning to making the same thing over and over again and what makes that different, what makes it more authentic, what gives it like value um, and then kind of built stories around that. So like when I think about making the magazine, it's similar to that. It's less personal because I try to invite people into the magazine and so the book is really like me and Andrew telling a story. So... It's, you know, the magazine I ever never know where it comes from, but I'm usually really delighted with it. <laughs> it's always beautiful. Thank yeah. you. So at the beginning, like, what did you guys decide on, like, a specific mission? I mean, I know you guys are like, no ads, three, three sure. hole punch. Yeah. And so how did it start and how has it evolved? If well, it it's has? interesting that you asked that because we used to, Carol and I used to write a mission statement every time. Mm-hmm. And now when I go back and read them, I cringe a little even though I think that they were a good idea and so much about writing is solidifying your thoughts and knowing what you're doing or not knowing what you're doing but finding out so um you know I think that we always have been committed to kind of like investigating either like is that inspiration or art or is it um practices or is it farming or is it sustainable food ideas so um it's always evolving it's just changing a lot how is it connected to Andrew Tarlow and his restaurants at this point, And how has it kind of moved away from that? Um, I mean, it's still deeply connected. We work on it there. We um, kind of, it's generated at upstairs from Marlon Sons. Um, it's a little bit less, uh, like in the beginning, there were restaurant there were recipes from the restaurants and that's less so the case. Although every, almost everybody who's writing recipes has worked in them uh, to some capacity. And I have a, a great um, recipe editor, Scarlett Lindemann, who also worked a lot on this cookbook, um, who does a great job at like talking to the chefs and making sure that the stories come together in a certain way and that the recipes, again, like speak to each other. How is it kind of... So how is it different or how has it kind of moved? Well, for a long time... I took a lot of different writers and artists and put them together in the magazine and that kind of shifted us out of being so directly connected to what was happening in the restaurant. And I don't, you know, now it's, it can always turn back into what it used to be. I've found also. So I don't know. Yeah. There's no rule. I, I, yeah, the single voice narrative, you know, it's very, it's very unique. I read I read an article or an interview with you and uh the the question was like, you know, photography is obviously an art form and writing is an art form and then there was the question of like, well, is food an art form? And you answered it I think in like, you know, a really lovely way and talking about like the intersection and 
I, I guess I'm trying to prompt you oh, to sure. like go back. Like, how is food an art form, and like how have you um, yeah. been able to to classify it uniquely in that way? Like through the lens of Diner Journal. Well, food is certainly an art form. I mean, um, any chef will tell you that, and they are really having fun with it when they are when it is artistry, you know. And that's um, I I feel like so. Uh, glad that I get to be around so many people who think about it that way. You can also think of food as like something which my mother once said to me is just something you need to do. Mm. You need to eat. You know, and that's true. That's also true. Um, I think that the thing that's great about food is that if you spend time together making food together, that is kind of like the art of being alive. It's like enjoying the process of doing this thing that will like sustain you and nurture you and like and it can be fun and not not super stressful. And I think that that applies to a lot of art making. Like, I think that a lot of the reason why people feel hesitant to write or hesitant to paint or hesitant to, um, I don't know, make a drawing or something is that they are worried. They're like stressed out that it might not be good. But if you just learn to enjoy the process of doing it, it doesn't matter what happens at the end. Yeah. All the food's going to get eaten. Always does. <laughs> Your first grilled cheese sandwich will be burnt. Yeah, and it'll still be good. It'll Fine. still be delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an issue that you're most proud of? Oh, man. Or just a favorite? That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you know, I am partial to this one we did based on Dylan Thomas because uh, when I was a kid, my dad, well, still, my dad reads it every year on Christmas, and it's such a um, funny and dark and beautiful kind of story. And so... Uh, he and I wrote these letters back and forth to each other about the story. And then um, I made my little brother dress up as one of the characters. And Julia took <laughs> photographs. And Caroline and Millicent and Scarlett wrote this kind of, like, play talking about the food and how to, like, you know, make all this kind of strange, interesting holiday-ish food, you know. Yeah. So I'm a poet at heart, so that one stays with me. Yeah. But I really love this this new one, too. I think it's, yeah, just really fun to be around it sure is pretty thanks yeah oh sorry <laughs> um who who shot this julia gillard is a photographer and she is our photo editor so she works on every photograph in the magazine even when it's not her own but she really took the reins of this one and took every photograph and she's a great, she on her own right is a great um, like street photographer and art photographer. So she has great, she does these great projects where she goes to, on holidays to different towns where it's like a big deal for them. Like the Holyoke where my family is from has this um, St. Patrick's Day parade that's bananas. So like, you know, she was like, I'm going to Holyoke. And I was like, why would you ever go to Holyoke, Massachusetts? It's such a weird place. She was like, the St. Patrick's Day parade. And I was like, oh, yeah. So she shoots so much great um, kind of street stuff and now has been working with food and shooting some really awesome stuff also. So you can feel that in this in this journal too. There's a sense of place, not just a sense of food yeah. that I like. Yeah. When she, she captured that, that feeling of camp mm -hmm. that I personally did not experience. Millicent wrote that she did not experience it. When yeah, she me was, neither. Right. Did, did you go to camp? Sorry. Ten years. You went Ooh. to camp for 10 years? So fun. Well, I was a counselor for like the last oh three God. or four. But I mean, from, of my yeah, dreams. like from age 8 to 18, I did camp every summer. See, and so did, uh, did the photographer experience camp or was this something brand new to her as well? Or do you even know that? Because I actually don't know. I, I don't know if Julia's been to camp. Um, 
but I'll find out. <laughs> I always, I, I, when I, when I look at stuff like this, I'm like, this is the childhood I missed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so you've been doing this for 10 years now, mm-hmm. which is like such an achievement, but I feel like the food community, I mean, especially in Brooklyn mm-hmm. is so much more dynamic than it used to be. Has that affected you as the editor in chief? I mean, how have you kind of like rolled along and, and been able to document that or, or not? Does it not matter? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, working at Diner and Marlowe and Sons 10 years ago, um, I made really amazing friends. So, so many of those people have gone on to open other um, places like Pies and Thighs, um, Salty, for example. And so um, I got to kind of like see that their vision or point of view come to life around me also. And so like, um, and I I feel like I see books everywhere, cookbooks everywhere that could be. So seeing kind of like wandering around Williamsburg or Brooklyn and seeing all of those strong point of views come to life as like little places where you can go get something to eat or to spend some time is really nice. Yeah. Cool. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with the morning after quiz.
one and only Dave Arnold brings the noise to Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday on Cooking Issues. Coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick and Brooklyn. If the bomb was going to drop and you only had 15 minutes, which is like, I can, I can make a sandwich in 15 minutes. He would be eating a sandwich. I'd kiss my wife, make a sandwich. If you believe that it's all about to be over, why eat healthy? I'm not a freaking Neanderthal. I like a tempered ice cream sandwich. But it's the only way to get around it if you're a party master because you, you're going to wind up, like, your kitchen's going to fill with dishes. And Some is there... people have commercial dishwashers in their house. Who? I've seen them. Who? I've seen them. Who? <laughs> really rich people. <laughs> For more mile-a-minute knowledge from Dave and the crew, listen to Cooking Issues, available on Heritage Radio Network, iTunes, and Stitcher. Welcome back. It's time for the morning after quiz. Yay! I'm ready. <laughs> Are you sure? No, okay. never. So, Anna Dunn, editor in chief mm-hmm. of Diner Journal, <laughs> you know all about that. But what do you know about diner lingo Ooh. of the 30s, 40s, and Ooh. 50s? Not as much as I want to know. So. I'm just going to say that uh, diner lingo is was something served up by sassy, sassy wait- waitresses. They would call milk moo juice and all that stuff. So My lineage. <laughs> it's your yes. lineage. So I'm going to give you the name. Uh, I'm going to give you, like, you know, short ribs are called what? And it's a multiple choice quiz, and you just tell me what you think it is, what sassy pseudonym it is. So let's start. Adding onions to something. Is it A, make it cry? B, pin a rose on it? Or C, bring it to tears? Ooh, C. It's actually B, pin a rose on it. And you know what? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> the center could look like a rose, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Okay. I was way better. All right. Don't worry about it. I go for drama every time. So. <laughs> Bring it to tears. All right. A side of hash is called A, a mystery in the alley, B, yesterday's meat, or C, sweep the kitchen. Ooh. <laughs> oh. I don't. I don't know. I want to say A because it's so crime fiction. I'm gonna go with A. It is A. Yes. Woo! So when something's in the alley, that means there's a like alley means it's a side. Ooh. So along the alley, I guess. Yeah. yeah I like that. In I the like alley that. is the side of it. That makes sense, right? Okay. Buttered toast and jam is called A. Utters in the orchard on a raft. <laughs> <laughs> that is a mouthful. <laughs> B. Sticky cow paste on a plank. C, shingle with a shimmy and a shake. Ooh. Why are they all so much longer to say than butter and toast? <laughs> no um, I want to go with C. It, you're right. It is oh a God. shingle with a shimmy and a shake. Nice. That's so good. You got two out of three. But they do call, but, but they did call butter cow paste. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. All right. So you get the bonus one because there's time. Okay, Yay. cool. A dishwasher, not the person, not the machine, is called A, Bubble Dancer, B, Frogman, or C, Suds Dud. 
<laughs> Ooh, you know, I'm probably going to be wrong, but I have to go for Bubble Dancer. It's true. Oh, oh yes. I spent yeah. a lot of time in restaurants. I so, thought yeah. Bubble Dancer really well. was so funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. That's good. You it brings really... me back to the naked restaurant somehow, you know? I know. I'm not sure it? it's... Ugh. I went back. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Bubble Dancer? All I right. love it. That was great. Thought, yeah. Good I quiz, that Leslie. Was... Well, you know what? It was... It, this one was hilarious to make. I bet. <laughs> I, I learned a lot. I, I know too those. much about diner lingo now. Yeah. I, I'm glad I know this much now. <laughs> well, Anna... Can you tell us tell us when the book is coming out? The book is coming out at the end of September, beginning of October. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. And tell us where we can find Diner Journals. Diner Journals you can find online at dinerjournal.com. You can also get pick them up at Diner Marlon Sons, uh, Romans, Achilles, or the Wythe Hotel. You can find them in most independent bookstores and specialty shops. And that's it for now. And although. you can subscribe. And you can subscribe online. Great. Mm-hmm. Cool. And you'll be at Foodie Articles today. Is it only today or is it also tomorrow? Foodie Articles is only today. Tomorrow there are other workshops and um, panel discussions cool. happening. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank it you. was really lovely was to so talk great. to you. This was a great conversation. So fun. Thank you. If you're listening live, uh, Leslie and I are heading over to the Food Book Fair, as is Anna. We're going to be at the Heritage Radio table. Check so us out. Come say hi. Yep. Okay. See you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.